Today's featured guest is Kevin Hess, who is a uh, scout for Central Scouting for the Ontario Hockey League, and he represents all of Michigan, probably a little bit more. Um, so we want to thank everybody for joining today, and I want to thank Kevin for joining. Uh, you can mention this after, but I don't forget how long you've been actually with Central Scouting. But I know it's been as long as I've known you longer. Um, uh, but Kevin's had has a really keen eye for talent, and in fact, we've gone. Kevin's uh, coached in the Michigan AAA loop for uh, for as long as I've known him as well. Uh, last year with the Honey Bake 04s, where he's had several guys drafted, it was a phenomenal team. And for some crazy reason, Kevin's teams always end up as uh, the top teams. And it's it's actually there's uh, you know success leaves clues. Uh, Kevin's like I said, he's got a real keen eye for talent and. Kevin and I have a history. Kevin and I, uh, I, I was doing skill development for uh, one of his teams, which I ended up being a head coach for in Bell Tire, which we were a phenomenal team. And Kevin was my right-hand man. And, uh, you know, in hockey, you know, Mike Weber said this last week, that uh, you don't make it alone. Uh, and, and Kevin was uh, by my side, uh, loyal as a, as a golden retriever. And, uh, and, and but he was, he was loyal, but he actually knows the game. He knows it inside out. So what he was great for, he was identifying players. He was great at breaking down systems. So I could go into a game and Kevin would know who their players were, what their tendencies were. And, uh, and, and as we're, he, he allowed me to coach and he was able to, you know, Andy, take a look at this. This is what they're doing. And, and, and honestly, guys, every single time it was correct. And uh, I guess to open up, can you maybe give everybody uh, uh, a, a welcome, like uh, your background in hockey and what, uh, how you got into scouting, I guess. And, and how did you get to the OHL uh, Central Scouting? And I'm not sure if it's called the Central Scouting Bureau anymore or just Central Scouting. Uh, yeah, I think we dropped the Bureau uh, this past year. Uh, it's just OHL Central Scouting. Um, thank you for having me, number one. And thanks, everyone, for uh, joining Andy today. Um, this is what we need more of in the hockey world, is not just trainers that train and watch YouTube videos and think it's cool. We need trainers that uh, passionately care about their clients and their kids, and uh, not only how they do on the ice, but how they're doing off the ice. And I know uh, for a fact that Andy, he would care more that you're a great citizen rather than being a great hockey player. But both of them, uh, they, they, you know, they sometimes they go hand in hand. So um, I started playing hockey. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, um, not the hotbed of the world, but uh, I moved uh, to Michigan in 1996 to attend Eastern Michigan University. Uh, there I played club hockey for uh, a year and then I moved into, uh, you know, I became a student and uh, I, I missed hockey. I missed it a ton. And uh, I was working at the local hockey store, Piranis Hockey World. I think you guys have one of those in Windsor, right? Yep. A coach came to me, he goes, I need help. I need a young guy to help me with these kids and, you know, relate to them. And he was like 60 years old. He loved the game. And uh, I was his 19 uh, year old assistant that was just learning the ropes and, so I started coaching there and I made the jump to AAA right away, actually, with the 87 Compuware team. Coached that uh, through their minor midget. I coached Compuware and Michigan Ice Dogs through their minor midget year and then um, jumped over to Little Caesars for a year. And that's when I went to the OHL. So in 2004, 2005, I jumped into uh, the Ontario Hockey League. And for anyone out there listening that wants to be a scout, um, if you're an older guy, older kid that might be uh, moving on the way out of hockey, I just contacted every team in the United States Hockey League, the Ontario Hockey League, the North American Hockey League. There was uh, one time before the USHL was uh, created, uh, the Frontier Hockey League, British Columbia Hockey League. I contacted them all. I, I emailed them all. And uh, a man by the name of Rob Kinemura, who uh, had worked for the Barry Colts, uh, had just taken over um, 
Ontario Hockey League Central Scouting Bureau, and uh, their Michigan uh, Midwest guy had quit. And he goes, uh, for a year, I'm going to give you a tryout, and let's see how you do. And uh, I've been there ever since. So it's been a long trip, and it's, it's always about learning. It's funny how you said you got a tryout, because one of the things I say to kids all the time, you're always being watched. It's just one of the things, in, as a hockey player, you're always being scouted, you're always being evaluated, always being watched. It doesn't end as a player, it's a, a scout too, right, on your performance and how you interact with people. So um, that was great. So, Kevin, what exactly is, you know, a lot of people don't maybe don't know the difference between, uh, you know, because we had uh, Brian Prout on a few weeks ago uh, with Saginaw, a phenomenal guy. Um, but uh, a lot of people don't maybe don't understand what the difference is between Ontario Central Scouting or NHL Central Scouting and the team scouts. And... Um, how is it different and um, how is it different as, as far as, as a team scouting staff goes and what do you do? Uh, for us, I mean, we have our own, you know, the, only t uh, the Ontario Hockey League Central Scouting, we are our own staff. You know, we have uh, myself here in Michigan. We have a guy in New Jersey, uh, two people in Toronto, um, two guys that cover the Alliance, two guys that cover the OMHA. Um, we have a guy in the north uh, where you're from, Sudbury, Dougie Benham. Greatest, great, great guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, we have a guy in Ottawa, Lake Callahan, who does a terrific job. And so we're our own team. So our similarities, uh, we're very, very similar to teams. Uh, we're looking for number one, uh, does a kid, uh, does a player have the skill set to play at the next level? And then immediately after that is, uh, does the player have character? Like, what, does the player have character? That's the big thing. So Brian and I probably are... Uh, very, very similar in what we're looking for in a player. And then what with Brian, uh, as they're going through their draft, is be, it'd be what do I need? And that's a lot of it. It's not just going to be the top player. It could be what do I need? Like a quick example uh, would be in the 96 draft year, the need for the Guelph Storm was a left shot forward that can play uh, right away. In that draft, Windsor ended up taking Josh Hosang. He was a right shot. But Robbie Fabry, who is now a Detroit Red Wing, was the next one. That was their best. That was the that was a left-hand shot that needed, they needed to play forward in, the, in their top six in two years. So that's where a team would be is what do I need this year? What do I need the next two? What do I need in the next three? And that's what they're looking for. Uh, but, and sometimes you're, you know, you're, it's a wealth of riches where they can just take best player available. For us, we just go by best player available at Central Scouting. Yeah, we break so, them down by position first, and then we think where they would fall in draft order. Okay, so, so, the, so the difference between Central Scouting and – the Windsor Spitfire, Saginaw, Spirit, whatever team that you want to say, is you're more concerned with, like basically what you provide is a ranking to the teams to help their scouts. So it would, it be, would it be fair to say that, you, okay, we've, we've ranked these guys in the top 20, and so have they. Like, is it kind of like a, a, a matching game almost? Correct. And then for me, it's a little bit different than, say, um, our, one of our guys in the Alliance or in the GTHL is because a lot of teams don't have the budget to have an American scout or they, it, it's just not feasible for them to have an American scout. Like a lot of the teams in the Far East, like the Windsor, or like Windsor, Windsor's West, I'm sorry, uh, like the Kingston Frontenacs, they uh, don't have a uh, guy here that really does cover Michigan or the Midwest. They have a guy that w works the Alliance and he'll come over and watch the Michigan and the um, Chicago-based teams. But that's where mine's a little bit different where I'm uh, – giving them that overall helping them there. So, you know, we're helping teams that don't have that far reach at times. Yeah. So, so at the end of the day, you, you guys are identifying players, putting, ranking them. You're not concerned with uh, 
obviously you're not concerned of right hand D, left hand shot, all that stuff. You're just basically saying, here's how I identify the best player. And you, said, you, you also said that you, so basically in a nutshell, you're looking at players. Um, this is going to go a lot of different ways, Kevin, I think. But you're mm-hmm. looking at players and you're saying, okay, who are the in, in, uh, eligible players for the OHL? Who are the top D? And you guys all come to consensus and say, this is who we think our top D are. These are our top forwards. These are our top goalies. And then is there a ranking on top of that? Yeah, then we'll sit down. We sit down twice a year, two to three times a year. It all depends. This year, uh, because of our situation, we only got to sit down twice. Uh, the first one is uh, during the silver stick time, so American Thanksgiving, right up until when the, Marley, or the Marley's tournament um, during uh, Christmas time mm-hmm. is. That's when teams generally meet. Um, and then what we do is we go 10 at a time. So uh, we go around the table, we're like, all right, give us your top. You know, let's say, let's put our top 10. We put them all on a, a giant board. And then we pluck from there saying, here's who we think our number one is. Here's who we think our number two, three, four, five, et cetera. And we just keep going in groups of 10. And uh, it's manageable for us. The 10 is, I mean, our first round last year, that conversation probably lasted an hour and a half because of there's so many good players there in the top 10 uh, area. And then it just, and we, and we, go down from there and then we meet again after we've seen the guys play a second third round especially and then their playoffs and see if anyone's going to move up or down and uh, there is a lot of movement there especially after uh, you know the playoffs the playoffs show a lot a lot about a player not only uh, their skills wise but uh, their hockey IQ and their uh, mental maturity. Okay so this is going to go a a few different ways for me here. You mentioned that uh, you do look at character so I was actually as I was thinking more and more about your job as in the central scouting, I actually thought that there would be a different perception. So, and, and uh, my perception was because you're not working exactly for with a team that you're just strictly looking at players and you're saying, okay, best hockey player. And you're going best hockey player, best hockey player, best hockey player, and not so much about the character. And I, I just kind of thought that, the central scouting would not necessarily take character into um, uh, as much consideration because it's not something that you necessarily have to deal with or, or something like that, but you actually do look at character. Um, so can you explain that? Because that's something that I truly believe is, is, uh, is, is a huge, huge part of hockey, obviously. So can you, can you talk about that with, with character? What do you mean by character? Absolutely. Just first, Andy, I don't work for a team. I work for all of our teams. I work for all 20 member clubs and that's why characters, it's huge. So looking at just at the end of the day, the team, uh, an Ontario hockey league team is investing anywhere between 10 to $15,000 in a player per year that they play for that organization. You got to think of all the equipment and travel, like all those hockey expenses, but then now they're schooling because not everyone uh, on the Windsor Spitfires is from, from Windsor. Yep players from the U.S. You have players from Toronto, Ottawa, Sudbury. You got to find them housing uh, and you got to find them a school. Um, so there's there's money there invested there. And then the schooling packages after you're done. That's, uh, that's a $60,000 over four years of uh, university or college. That's a $60,000 investment. So at the end of the day, uh, a team is putting nearly $100,000 of their uh, hard-earned money into your future per player. And uh, that's a huge reason why we have to look at character. So 
the first thing for me after, of course, if a kid is a relative, he has the skills to play is uh, the first thing I asked their coach is how is he as a teammate? What's his character? Um, this year, I had coaches personally tell me that they would not draft this player if they were uh, if they were drafting at all, even though the player the player had a ton of skill. They weren't they would not draft him because of uh, he just wasn't a good teammate. After being a good teammate is uh, you have to ask about their schooling. The old adage is that if you're not a good student, you can't play. And if you're not a good student, the OHL or the WHL or the Quebec League is the is the league for you. That's not true at all. You have to be yeah. a good student. Uh, guys like Joe Birch, who came in uh, in that 2006 draft year, that was his big thing. Uh, he did a great job there. And then the uh, now Kyle Pereira, who does the same thing for the Ontario League. Uh, he's the director of uh, education and recruitment it's the same thing. The, the grades have to be there. You have to be a good student. You can't, uh, quote unquote, you can't be a dummy. Uh, the next thing, and this is, uh, this is something I learned from actually my mom. My mom works uh, with uh, the team doctor for the Cleveland Browns and uh, the Cleveland Indians. And uh, at the draft table, uh, they're ready to draft a guy and they will look at the guy and goes, what is his social media? And the guy will give the thumb up or the thumb down. And uh, I know the Browns uh, have not taken a player because uh, they're just stupid on social media. So you really have to watch that as a young player. I know you want to have your opinion and everything, but you really got to be careful with that. And then the last thing about character is it, for us is off ice training. That's one thing I'll ask, do they skip workouts? Do they skip video? I mean, I understand skipping, you know, one video or one off ice workout because, you know, you have a paper to write or you have a test to study for before your practice. But if they're if they're routinely missing four or five six of these kind of sessions over the year, that that's something that teams that definitely look into. Yeah, yeah, char character is a huge thing. Um, yeah, so it surprised me from your angle that it was important. So um, coach or teams ask that. So as a scout, you're you're not just watching the game; you're watching a kid walk by you, how he's treating people, the whole thing. So it never changes. It doesn't matter what you're, who you are. Absolutely. One thing, Andy, just from past this past year coaching at Honeybaked, we had a very good, very, very good club. And uh, one of our guys was uh, skipping the pregame. Wasn't skipping it. He was doing his own thing. A scout asked about it. Like, why does he do his own thing? And uh, the coach was like, what do you mean he does his own thing? He walks out with the players. He walks out and he comes back with them. And so we had to actually go watch our team warm up off ice. And we're like, hey, why are you doing your own thing? And he's just like, my focus, my, you know, he, he was, he just wanted to get focused. That's what he was telling us. Yeah. He was still warming up, but we're like, hey, do it as a team, you know, and then do your, you know, do it before and after because, you know, that's something that, you know, these guys are here to watch us play. They're, they're, they're noticing that you're off doing your own thing. So just be careful with that. Um, I just, I'd say, especially goaltenders, watch that because I know goalies go through a whole different type of warm up after, but make sure you warm up to your team players and uh, then go off and do your own thing after your team warm up is done. Yeah, awesome. No, that's that's good. Um, okay, so here's the big question. Um, identifying players, what do we look for? So the game has changed, definitely changed. Well, no, let's let's say this. What what are the things that you are looking for as a scout that makes someone stand out? Andy, you are absolutely right, though, and that's going to lead right into it. The game has changed a thousand percent since you and I played, even since you and I coached uh, yeah. together. Uh, it has definitely definitely changed. Uh, my first thing is hockey IQ. And that's a lot of different things for me wrapped up there. The first thing for the hockey IQ for me is their ability to make plays. Can they make plays with time and space? If you have a lot of time and space, can you make a play? Because sometimes there's guys that are just in a whole patch of ice by themselves and skate themselves into a circle or, you know, they skate themselves into a problem. So with time and space and then under pressure, can they make the plays? 
uh, can they create their own time and space and can they create it for their uh, teammates? How well do they find that quiet area in the ice to score or get open for another scoring opportunity or breakout pass, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, their 200 foot game, especially if you're a wing along the walls or if you're a defenseman, are you beating that, uh, the guy behind, you know, the four checker, you're beating him up the ice. The ability to adjust to your coaching on the fly. Uh, that's one thing I noticed in this age group versus other age groups I've watched over the years is that their ability to adjust on the fly is a little bit slower than uh, others that I've seen in the past where I thought uh, when I coached with UR97 group, you know, um, did a great job of adjusting the things on the fly. Um, and then uh, coming up through the years here, I thought another age group that just adjusted on the fly really, really well was the 2001 age group. The, the, the ability I would watch a game and their coach would bark something out and bang. It was like, yep, yeah, we got it. And they were done. It was right there on the bench. They didn't have to take a timeout or anything. And then the last thing with hockey IQ is their temperament. There's a ton of skilled hockey players out there. And especially in youth hockey, um, the beatings they take. The skilled players just take a beating. And can they take that beating and not physically retaliate? And I, that's a huge part of their hockey IQ, I believe. Um, a great example of that is uh, when coaching with you, um, Mitch Marner. Uh, yep. At the time, I think he was playing for the Domino's Flyers, and uh, they were an okay team. Uh, they weren't the most skilled, uh, but Mitch was a very, very good player and would just absolutely take a beating. And he would just keep ticking. There was never a retaliatory penalty out of Mitch Marner. He would, the way he retaliated was, uh, you know, making you look silly and putting a bar down and uh, celebrating his goal. That's how he retaliated. So those are just the, the I'd say, I'd say the quick things that uh, I look for first is a hockey IQ. Uh, next, skating. Straight line, east-west, transitions. Um, if you can't skate, generally you can't play the game. There's not many Ray Shepherds. Uh, you probably have a young crowd. They don't even know who Ray Shepherd is, but yeah. uh, he was a guy who played for the Detroit Red Wings that all he did was score goals, but uh, getting to the net was uh, like watching me skate. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't pretty at times, but the man did score goals. Uh, the third thing I look for, and if you want to cut me off and ask a question, just let me know. Uh, no, okay, for, as far as skating goes, how, how much has it actually changed? Like, what, what it, it, I, I guess, is it just skating has to be so elite now? Is that basically it, or is it? I don't want to say it's elite because, I mean, uh, there's always kinks in someone's stride. And, like, yeah. look, look at your Windsor Spitfires, uh, Foudy. Yeah. North, south, he is just a beautiful skater. Like, my goodness, it is I have a feeling in a puck race, he's going to win it every time. Like his skating is just beautiful. But the one thing out of John Luke that he's really improved this year was his first three strip quickness out of holes. You know, those first three strides, bang, he's out now out of, off of cycles where before it took him a little bit of time to do that. Same thing with Will uh, uh, Cooley. Um, good, powerful skater, but his first three strip quickness out of corners this year off of cycles really, really, really improved. So that's one thing that you look for there uh, in terms of skating. And then some guys are just kind of a north-south skater. There's not much east-west of the game, which there's nothing wrong with that. But the one thing I look for, are they trying to improve upon that? And uh, over the course of the year, you see it. You see kids that, you know, they get that initial scouting report from um, their coach or their, their advisor or um, their trainer because uh, they, they talk to scouts and uh, they work on that and you see it happening. Yeah. So, okay. So after skating, was there uh, something else? Oh, yeah. The overall skill set. Okay. So I have a couple for overall skill set. Um, the relative skill, for example, I mean, the toe drag, is, I mean, toe drags are so cool. And then the, the lacrosse move, you know, is, is that made a comeback this year. 
And I told my goalies, if anyone tried that, you have absolutely all <laughs> swing stick head first. But my thing for their relative skill set, can a player receive a bad pass and keep it stay in stride? We were just talking, you know, we were just talking about Zach Cassian earlier. And that's one part of his game that I thought this year in Edmonton is he has the ability, an uncanny ability to like get passes in the worst situations and get them to his tape and get them to other guys. And that's coming from a third line guy. So imagine, you know, a guy like Leon Dreisaitl that he plays with or Connor McDavid, like they're getting bad passes all the time and they don't lose stride. That's just, that's one thing uh, there. So like relative skills. So can I take that bad pass? Can I, you know, not dust the puck off? and uh, get it on net quickly. Can I make that move? You know, can I make the, without stick handling, without overhandling the puck, that kind of thing. The next part of the overall skill set is catching and receiving passes, uh, knowing when and where to throw the hard bomb versus a touch or a soft pass to an area. I guess that'd be part of hockey IQ, but just a skill set, it's, it's almost a dying skill set where guys aren't, you know, they're trying to catch it that old. I know I'm, they can't see me, but that old fashioned way where they're bringing the puck back and like, uh, like Mighty Ducks when they, uh, with, the, with, the, with the eggs, right? <laughs> I'm probably dating myself there too, but the, the eggs, they're bringing soft hands there. You have to be able to, you know, tap the puck down and be able to shoot it right away. And then the last, I guess, overall skill is the, is the shooting. Um, the release, number one, quickness of the release. And then how many angles can they shoot from? Is there a pull-in shot? Is there a pull, you know, outside, like uh, there. Accuracy, uh, hardness and heaviness. And then... Um, the ability to find lanes, uh, you know, just watch NHL highlights, uh, how many guys are putting it through bodies, through sticks and, you know, and scoring mm -hmm. goals there. And then the last thing, you know, I, I keep it kind of simple here. I know I talked a lot there, but the last thing is what do they do well? So what does a player do well? Okay. They have the overall skill set. They're a good skater. They have great hockey IQ. What do they do? So just a couple of those, do they have a, can they, are they just goal scorers? Uh, that's one. Um, a guy like Alex DeBrinkett comes to mind. Yep. Uh, when we coached for Sam, when he played for Victory Honda, I'm like, uh, I remember telling our the other defense coach, please do not put this defenseman on when Alex DeBrinkett is on the ice because if he gets it, it's going in the back of our net. And it went in the back of our net because yep. Alex DeBrinkett could score from anywhere in minor midget as well as uh, <laughs> in the NHL as we've seen. What are the uh, or defensive specialists? I always come back to, and I tell this to my players, this, the story you told me about Chris Draper where uh, they walked into Team Canada's locker room. They're like, if you're willing to sacrifice goals for our team, you will be on the ice every other every shift for some man named Yermer Yager. Yep. And, uh, you know, now Chris Draper, you know, assistant general manager of the Detroit Red Wings, and he had a great NHL career as a defensive specialist. But that uh, There's kids out there that are just great at it. They each, they, you know, penalty kill, they just eat shots. Are they an elite playmaker? That, that might be the one thing they do extremely well. I had a player this year that I wanted to strangle because he would have – Grade A scoring chance, get the goalie down, whole nets open. Then he'd pass it to a teammate because he was so unselfish. But it, uh, just an elite playmaker, a guy like Barzell, Crosby, Claude, Claude Drew. And then uh, another one is, uh, do they just, do they score big goals? Um, I had a player this year who played for me, Cam Van Sickle, scored. Uh, we had six overtime games this year. I think he scored five OT goals. Or Justin Williams is another guy who comes to mind, just like, like a big game seven player. So just what they do well is my fourth one. I got a question on that. So, what you do well? Because uh, actually, uh, Zach was talking to myself and Charlie the other day, um, and um, we we're just talking about our webinar coming up with with you. And uh, Zach was talking about Kyler Yamamoto, and he was explaining to Charlie that Kyler Yamamoto plays for the Edmonton Oilers and is five foot eight at best, and 100 probably not 150 pounds. So, so my son was asking, you know, like how does he play like these? 
They said he's just, he's so fast. He's so good. So Charlie says, maybe I shouldn't hit as much. So my, my thing to him was, and this is, this goes to you, what do you do well? I, I told him, I said, no, no, no. What you have to do, there's, there's a question I was going to ask you later, is when, it, when someone's looking at getting drafted, I, I think it's important, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's important to be who you are. Because if, if like, if, if uh, yes, the game has changed and there's less hitting, but if you are out, out there thumping guys left and right, you do get noticed. Am I right? 100%. Unless you're a complete idiot about it and that's all you, you want to do on the ice? Yeah, if you're going to be a, a goon and, and, you know, that's out of the game. Yeah. But you have to be able to defend yourself. And, and yes, that, that's, that is one of those things. If you're a good body checker, it's, it's a dying art. But it's stuff that's – look at how teams win. And I look at the St. Louis Blues. How did they win? They won playing hard. They played a hard game. Like, scoring versus the St. Louis Blues was not easy because they were finishing checks. They were blocking shots, taking away lanes. They weren't fun to play against. And uh, and at the end of the day, that's why they won. Um, and those guys, you know, played their role well, where if you, they were a checker, they were a checker. Um, if they were – you know, they need to score big goals, that's what the guy did. So – um, yeah, you're spot on there. Yeah. So I, so, so just to reiterate that. So w when you're looking at your skill set and what you believe is it makes you a good player, um, you certainly don't want to play a game saying, okay, I can't do that because that's not the game anymore. Because I mean, if you even look at, uh, I don't want to say the generational players, but uh, basically, well, I was going to say Tom Wilson is a different breed right now because he finishes he's rough and tough. It's not supposed to be like that anymore, but he brings something to the table. So I think that, when you're a player, and I'm saying this for the kids that are watching, um, you know, if you, if you feel like you have something that you are very, very good at and, and you feel like you have success, it's, it's who you are. So, so bring that. And I think from your perspective as, a, as scouts, you, you notice that, okay, this kid does certain, this thing very, very well, maybe a little bit too much. Like maybe he's a great passer. Like for, let's say Joe Thornton, that's, that's another, it's a, an extreme example, but if you pass like Joe Thornton, but at the risk of passing, you pass at the risk of shooting at all times. So that could be like, you're, uh, you know, you pass too much, but that's a strength still. So, you know, Absolutely. if you're a coachable person, you, you, we, we can somewhat fix that. Right. So be who you are. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's great. So you don't change your game you, or adapt. You just play the way that you need. You play, play the way you, need, you play the way you need to play. The only thing about adapting to the game is that when you watch a, you know, a, a junior game and, and even the pro game, mm -hmm. it's, it, they work hard to get, this is one thing. If I can get out of this, if I can get anyone out of this, you work hard to go get the puck. Just don't give it away. Yep. Like just don't dump it away. Like it, it kills me when I go to, when I go to a minor hockey game, you know, they, a puck pops out past the blue line and the defenseman just jams it back in make plays like bring that puck back don't and don't be afraid to make mistakes and that's and hopefully coaches the same thing like let your players play and and let let them make a couple of mistakes but possess the puck like you go so hard to go get it why give it away so if there's one one thing to work on if if there's one thing to focus on as a player right now i mean hockey iq it's it's something that you you can work on but if there's one other skill that you'd say make sure that you get this down is what would it be well, that's a tough question. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a question that I think the player has to ask themselves, honestly, okay. is uh, you always want to sharpen your mental game. And Andy, I'll be honest here, uh, everyone listening, uh, Andy is one guy who really had me sharpen my mental game. He's always, he was always giving me books to read. Uh, he's like, I, I'm reading this book and I read this and I read that. Like, sharpen your mental game. Uh, that's not just reading books about hockey, but it could be just self-improvement books. Um, 
I just read a great one. Uh, oh, I don't know if it's uh, 21. It's about a lacrosse player that had passed away, and they uh, they honor him every year at this uh, dinner. I think Gordon, Tom Gordon wrote it. Anyway, sharpen your mental game, but look at yourself and what can I do better? Like what, what do I need to do better uh, coming up and what, and don't lose the relative skill that you have now. So if you have a, if you're an elite shooter, don't stop shooting pucks and start trying to become a dangler. Make sure you're shooting those 500,000, 5,000 pucks, whatever it is a day, and then add something to your training repertoire uh, to improve. Great advice. As I call them skill buckets. Um, Basically, it's easy to like if you are a shooter and you 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 know you you you, you want to keep your strength strong, but you also want to look at those skill buckets that you have and understand where your weaknesses are and put some serious time into filling up those skill buckets so that you become a more complete player. Which doesn't happen overnight. It takes time, it takes hard work. But you know, just like going to the gym or just you know, some people can't go to the gyms right now, but there's ways to be fit. And uh, for, the, for the people that are doing it, you're seeing results slowly but surely. But all of a sudden, you see them and you go, okay, this is working. It's the same thing as your skill buckets, right? So, Kevin, a really common question, and you'll see kids, I mean, obviously you see it in the, coming to the OHL, is you see kids moving to better teams, and they want to play with the best players. And there's something to be said for playing with good players, but there's also something to say about playing with, uh, on a weaker team. Um, so as far as a scout goes, well, I guess number one, does that ever come to your mind? Like when someone jumps from team to team, does that ever, does that ever make you say, you know, is this kid looking for an easy way out? Uh, and secondly, oh, go ahead, go ahead. You go ahead. Why do you say that? That is, uh, that's a question that's been added more and more and more over the past couple of years. And the elite teams in the Ontario League and, the, and, and I'll even say the United States Hockey League, uh, that's a question they're asking more and more is why are, why, when I look at your, you know, your hockey, what is it, elite hockey, elite prospects pro profiles for the kids? I think yeah, I don't even know what that profile. is. When I'm looking at your elite prospect profile, why does it list four different teams? Right. And, uh, I mean, it could be easy as, you know, my coach moved, which that is one of them. But, yeah, some of them are quote-unquote trophy hunting. Oh. And that's not something uh, that, that I don't really think you needed. I don't think – you don't need to leave home to, you know, go play somewhere else. Like they, you're, you're going to be found. Okay. So uh, that's, so that was my next question leading up to that. So, so, and we asked it on the last time with scouting and stuff, um, playing on a weaker team, you can still like, how do you identify Because I'll be honest with you. I don't know if, if I could be a good scout. I honestly mean that. I've said that several times. A lot of people said, oh, I, I think you'd be a great scout because you're, you're knack for watching a kid's skill. Uh, you'd be a great scout. Uh, and I'm going to go back to Alex DeBrinkett because uh, you're actually the one who kind of pointed him out to me at that time yeah. uh, when he was playing. Uh, Detroit Victor Honda was not a very strong team. Yeah. But my God, if that kid had an inch, he took a mile and would just absolutely kill us every time when I coach with you. And he does it now. He does it now. Um, Alex did not play for the greatest team. Um, but you could see his skill set was special. And you had, as a scout, it, as a scout, I'm like, if you put him with elite players, it could be scary what this guy could do. And uh, the Erie Otters took a chance and signed him on a waiver. Like, he wasn't even drafted in the Ontario League. They took him as a free agent. You know, they put him between McDavid and Ryan Strom. Right, Ryan? Dylan? Dylan. Dylan's, uh, right, Dylan, Dylan. Dylan's a 97. Ryan's a 93. Uh, Dylan Strom. And uh, <laughs> there you go. Alex Brinkett. And then, oh, McDavid's gone. No, you're not going to be able to do it. Um, here, 
pulled my Verners and, uh, you know, he went and scored uh, 50 more goals. That's that's just one player that always sticks out. Another kid, uh, Michael Stubbs right now, uh, Thunder Bay, wasn't the wasn't the greatest team. Uh, they're, they're working on it. A good coach up there, my buddy Brady Fox. And he kept telling me, he goes, this Michael Stubbs kid's pretty special. I'm like, okay, I'll come and watch you play. The one thing Michael Stubbs could do is he could shoot the puck a million miles an hour. And it's, it's showing. He, he had a chance. He signed with the Mississauga Steelheads. He's going to have a chance to jump in their lineup this year. Um, again, didn't play for the most talented team, but you could see the relative skill there. Again, he was getting, he was creating time and space for himself and he was making the most of the opportunities when he had them. And, uh, it's important for teams like that, like uh, teams from Thunder Bay and then, uh, in your area there with Windsor and Sun County and Chatham and, and Lambton, uh, when those kids go to Toronto for the Marley's tournament, or, you know, they go to London for the Wendy Dufton. It's important to bring your A game. If you play your A game and you, you do the things that you're good at people are going to notice. Okay. So here's a, here's a million dollar question for me, because, you know, obviously you've got big Toronto teams, big Detroit teams, but then you got, uh, let's say Chatham, let's just say Chatham because it's a smaller area. Uh, I mean, there is a concern. I mean, and I'm looking at it from a, not from myself, but parents in general are looking at, okay, my son's playing hockey. We're investing money. Uh, we feel, I think he's pretty good. Like, how do I give him the best chance? And I can see where they say, Oh, I think the best chance is to play on a good team. Um, so how is it like, okay, let's say this, uh, uh, you've mentioned Stubbs and Thunder Bay. You can shoot a puck, put the puck in the net. All right. But let's say uh, we've got more of a defensive defenseman. Grayson Ladd is a weak team. Uh, from the, he plays in the spits now. Who's that? Grayson Ladd. Yep. Yep. Uh, that's, the, that's the example. When you said it, uh, played for Chatham. And uh, I was doing some major Bantam scouting at the time, uh, getting ready for the next year's draft. And, Everyone's like, ah, don't, you know, they're not very good, not very good. I'm like, hey, I got to do every team, you know, gets two chances. I go, I watch at least every team twice. So I went through and I'm like, this kid makes a really good first pass. Like, good kid, had decent wheels on him. And I'm like, wow, he makes a really good first pass. I'm like, he just, he made another really good first pass. And he just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. His first pass was just tremendous. Move his feet. He, he was really good at the, the seam pass. Like he'd get to manipulate the, the four checker stick and just to make a seam pass. And that's a kid who stayed in Chatham. He was a, a first overall pick, I believe, of the Rangers, the Kitchen Rangers, yep. the yep. the Windsor. Um, he didn't need to leave. Uh, we knew he was, you know, guys knew he was there and he stayed with his team. And uh, that says a lot about the kid's character. Right. Yeah. I'm sure he had the chance to jump to, um, you know, a GTHL team, or I know he had chances to jump uh, teams in Detroit were ready to put him up at private school to bring him in. And uh, it uh, shows a lot about his character, staying with his, staying with, you know, quote, at the end of the day, staying with his family, staying with his brothers. Yeah. That's the one cool thing I think about uh, when we come up with these, when I came up with the age groups. Um, so I think it's the one cool thing about the, the Windsors, the Sun Counties, the Lamptons, the Londons, um, you're with your brothers for up to seven years. And I think there's something to be said about that, the character, because it is easy to jump and, you know, go find the trophy or, you know, quote unquote, more exposure. Um, but we go back to the character thing. I think it says a lot about the character of the kid and the family staying at home and, and uh, playing with his brothers until the last uh, available moments. Now I'm going to make a comment on, uh, before I ask the next questions, I'm going to make a comment on uh, what I've seen um, and, and my experience playing and coaching. So a lot of the people that think they have to be on the best team playing with the best players, yes, there are some good things to that. Um, but the, I, I find the negatives is when you're on super teams, and I would just take our belt higher team when we, were, we had that. If I would have had that team from Adam right to the draft year, um, I think what happens is – You'd be coaching in the NHL right now. 
<laughs> but but what happens is you're you're so used to playing with elite level players that you don't know what it's like to receive a bad pass or you just can't understand someone that just dumps it out because they they panic with a puck whereas so when you when you get to another level like legit uh when i played in the ohl my first year i would sit there and, and you know I, there was a guy from believe it or not he was ironically from chatham and he was just a, a meathead defenseman and you could be busting a seam for a pass and he would be dumping it off to the last note you go like what the heck? So my point to that is if you haven't, so I, I come from Sudbury, so we, we didn't have great teams. Well, we had some actually good teams, but we weren't elite. So I was used to playing with guys that weren't elite players. You don't have to fight for, like you said, with Zach getting passes in bad areas and stuff. Whereas someone from just to say the Toronto Marlies who have, you know, top tier uh, players, they're not as accustomed to getting um, bad passes. They're not used to losing. Uh, so, so when they, when you get into a situation where, you know, if you get drafted in the first top five and you're going to a lower level team, uh, you're going to have some struggles. And I, I, I'm curious, you know, do they, can they adjust to the, to the negative side of hockey? Because it's not always um, shits and giggles, right? Absolutely. You're, you're spot on there. And I, you know, I'd ever, I, I thought of it that way, but never thought of it that way of exposing yourself to all brands of hockey, basically. Is what you're is what you're and saying, all, and all different uh, types of people, right? Correct. Uh, and and that's where the leadership came in. So not to be a jackass here, but Josh Hosang has spent some time with me, and and uh, you know it was it was it was difficult to listen to sometimes because he came from that system where it was great, and and you know he thought he was it was never his fault, and that was that's kind of where I'm saying is I've seen that a lot from players that have never really lost. And, uh, you know, I think as a scout, it would be good to see how they react to losing as well, right, or, come, or making a comeback. Absolutely. And that's the one thing I wrote about, about goalies is, and it's players too, is their mental makeup. Yep. How do they, how, how are we, uh, how can you adjust to adversity? Yeah. So, Kevin, what, let's, let's go, uh, so when we're looking at a forward or a D, uh, of course, it's easy. Anybody can, it's like, <laughs> I use this example for working out. When someone says, uh, working out or a practice you know it was a really good practice because they're sweaty and they worked hard any idiot can do that uh and, and it's the same thing when you're picking out a player like anybody can see uh the guy that can skate down the ice and put the puck in the net that's that's the easy part so when we're looking at uh let's start with uh i i really don't know anything about goalies but let's take goalies d and forwards and break them down as a goalie what do you like to see as a d and I, i'm going from uh, from a d and a forward from not the flashy guy. How does a guy like, I, I can't think of a name right now, but how does someone uh, that isn't flashy, doesn't rush the puck, how does he stand out to get drafted? So let's go goalie, for, goalie D and then a forward if you can. So goaltender, uh, first thing you're going to look at like, is their athletic ability. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, that's, well, again, hockey IQ is important for a goalie. Has your team controlled the puck down there the entire time? Then the other team just chucks it out to ice it. And you see all five guys going to the bench, but you have a fresh crew. Are you coming out, stopping that puck and snapping up an outlet pass for your guy to get a breakaway or an odd man rush or them to get too many men on the ice? So that's like a hockey you play from goalies that I always like to see. Uh, their mental makeup, because, uh, you know, we would love a goalie that never lets a goal in. But um, their mental makeup, how do they rebound back? And uh, we, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we would always give the kid a hard time, but uh, Garrett Forrest, who's uh, we we're just talking about, plays at Ryerson University in Toronto now. 
um, that'd be a guy that you'd have to score on quickly and he would get mad and he was shutting the door after that. Uh, he was a, you know, that's one of his best thing attributes was mental makeup. Like he would have snaps at times, but when he got the matter he got, he would, he, the better he'd play. Um, so their mental makeup. And then after that, you know, it's their skill level. It's their relative skills. Do they control rebounds? Uh, how do they move in and around their crease? Cause you'd be amazed at how many goalies Andy can't skate North and South. Right. You'd be, you'd be amazed like watching a goalie go to the bench uh, for a delay penalty in the Ontario league. And it like, what, like, who the heck? Like, but man, can they skate around a crease? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, hockey IQ, mental makeup, the athletic ability, uh, their skating, uh, rebound control. Uh, okay. For a defenseman, he's not a puck rusher. He's not going to be scoring goals. Their first pass. Number one, their first pass. And then number two, gap control and rush recognition. Okay. So uh, transition to get the puck back. Uh, how good is their first pass? And you talked about earlier, is it a glass and out situation? Uh <laughs> Yep. Or can they make that first pass? Can they make that seam pass? Because puck possession is uh, a lot of the game nowadays. And again, it, it goes back to what they do well. And then uh, the gap control is huge for me. Uh, the tighter a kid can play a gap at the minor or midget level, uh, it, the confidence they can have to play that gap, is, is it, that does translate to the Ontario League and then eventually uh, the professional levels. Um, watching these guys go, uh, grow up and grow through it, um, I, I definitely have seen that. Uh, in terms of uh, actually a guy you used to work with or still probably work with Aaron, Aaron Eckblad. Yeah. He is possibly one of the best gap control minor midgets I've ever seen. Like the one thing that jumped out about Aaron Eckblad to me, not only was he a great player, but my God, his gap control at a minor midget. I'm like, this is like a pro. This is like watching Nick Lindstrom play and watching him in the NHL. Like same thing. It translated very, very, very well. His confidence to, you know, earlier on probably in his career to make that mistake to do that. But for defensemen, uh, again, uh, first pass. Uh, and then, because uh, even if you're a, a shutdown stay-at-home defenseman, you're going to have to handle the puck. Can you can you outlet it for your team? And uh, that's a huge thing in the puck possession game nowadays. And then, uh, again, gap control and gap recognition. And by gap recognition, hopefully everyone knows that, uh, you know, middle lane drive, how are we communicating? How are we doing? You know, all those things. Um, and then forwards. Uh, you know, you're not the puck rushing guy going down end to end, going bar down, backhand through your legs, whatever. Uh, first thing I look fat, for forward there would uh, their wall play. Because I'm going to start from the 200 foot out. I'm going to start from my goaltender out. Uh, how, how am I along the wall? Or if I'm a center, if I'm a defensive center, am I getting open for that first pass from my D? Am I coming low and slow? Am I finding those areas? Um, and then as a, you know, a winger, their wall play. And then as we get up, how are we? What is our hockey IQ going up? So those are the things I look for there. And then at the end of the day, what do they do well? Because you have third line guys that the, the, the one thing they do well is like, I had a kid this year, uh, a kid by the name of Justin Varner, who, play, who got drafted by the Sioux Greyhounds. His wall play, at the end of every game, if we were up a goal or down a goal, Justin Varner was on the ace to make sure that puck got out of our zone 90% of the time with some sort of possession. There's guys in the Ontario League that do that as well. Uh, one guy that uh, like jumps out to me uh, from Windsor uh, would have been uh, Purabu. Purabu. Yeah, yeah. He his wall play over the five years of his OHL career uh, just kept ticking, ticking up and up and up. And yeah. then uh, Boca as well. You know, I, he just he, I really like his game. I hope he has a chance to play professionally, and he could play all three forward slots too. Um, just his wall play was outstanding. His ability, his willingness to block shots, and his compete level. Um, just a lot of fun to watch.
that was answered excellently. Um, because yeah, those are, th- those are things like, I think when mom and dad watch hockey, uh, and this is not, I mean, it takes experience to understand all these little things that why something happened. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's very important to see those little things that they're doing something right consistently. And uh, like little things like wall play, making the first pass, all those little things that you said, they're, they're, they're critical. And, um, you know, sometimes they're not, well, they're not, you know, like people don't cheer and, and get excited about someone taking a puck off the wall and chipping it out or making, put it on someone's stick. But you as a scout or a team watching that happen time after time. And, and when they're doing it without showing fear of getting hit and all these things, it, it means, it means a lot from a scouting aspect. Right. And you, you know, so Kevin, let's talk about the draft itself. It's a common, common question. And I know it's, it's something that people are thinking, uh, it's hard to be a first round pick. There's only 20 of them. Uh, so, and the, and the first, first couple round picks are like, you know, they pretty much have a spot. Well, the first rounders have a spot and then it's, it's pretty hard to not get a really good look at a second, third round pick, but I'm drafted in the 12th round. I'm drafted in the eighth round and, you know, I'm happy and I'm looking at it and I'm going, geez, this is a, is there really a spot for me? And I know that's your, not your job to say that because you're, you're work with the league, not the team, but, um, what would you say to that kid or, or even someone that maybe even got looked, it didn't get uh, passed by or he got passed by in the draft. Well, for the first one uh, getting passed by in the draft, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to throw two examples out there. Uh, Alex DeBrinkett played for the Erie Otters. He's making a lot of money now. Uh, he got passed by in the draft twice. Uh, and then uh, Anthony Sorelli uh, played yeah. for the Oshawa generals when a Memorial cup Um and uh, if the league, uh, if the league comes back, I, I, have, I have a chance that I think Anthony Sorelli might be uh, what is it, a, a Selkie winner as a defensive yeah. forward in the NHL. Yeah. Um, so those are two guys that, uh, you know, they didn't get drafted because uh, getting drafted is it's an honor. Number one, like I've never been drafted. I can only imagine the excitement around it, but uh, that's just one day, uh, you know, right after you're drafted, that's where your hard work starts. And uh, if you don't get drafted, that's just, you hard work starts again. Like, don't give up. That's the, my one message is do not give up. There are plenty of guys out there that haven't been drafted in the Ontario league that have come in and played in the Ontario league or, uh, you know, they weren't drafted in the Ontario league and they're like, ah, screw this. I'm going to go, you know, the school route and, uh, and make money. Uh, a la Danny DeKaiser. <laughs> he was uh, very disappointed. He wasn't drafted in the UHL. His next year, his, his, when he turned 16 going on 17, uh, he grew a couple feet and grew a foot still an elite skater and then OHL teams came knocking he's like yeah you guys missed out on me the first year I'm gonna go and uh, you know try to do this instead yep. there uh, for guys in the eighth round and 15th rounds you look at the roster uh, look at the roster of the team you want to go to okay you're not going to play for him next year what is my I guess write it down and that's what I do I, I write it down what, 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 what do I need to do to be able to make that team the next year, I'm going to go into training camp. I'm going to do this, this, and that. I'm going to do. I'm going to show myself well in my first training camp. So don't be a, don't be an idiot there. Make sure you work hard the first training camp. Try to make the team, and then in your exit interview, listen. Just keep your mouth shut and listen, because the good teams are going to tell you what you need to do to be on their roster next year. Um, I know Mark Hunter uh, in London does a very, very good job of that. He's like, I love the way you play. I don't have any room this is what you need to do to be on our team next year. And uh, a big thing with that, especially, uh, you know, in uh, 
in Ontario, I guess would be uh, very important is go somewhere where you're going, where you're going to play and develop. If that means playing midget AAA, there is nothing wrong with playing midget AAA. The Windsor AAA Spitfires had a very good year this year. They had a couple kids drafted in that 18U draft. Mm-hmm. Um, go where you're going to play and go where you're going to develop. So is it better playing for the Windsor AAA team and getting, you know, power play time where you might not have had power play time before or PK time or whatever it might be versus am I going to go play junior B playing versus 20 or junior C playing versus 21 year olds getting three shifts uh, a game and then possibly having to fight a 21 year old that uh, works at, you know, the Chrysler plant uh, and he's just <laughs> playing junior C to play with his buddies for the last year. So go, uh, I guess the biggest thing there is go where you're going to play and keep developing. Yeah, that's, that's the best. Uh, it's, you know, and, and I understand how it's hard because it could be dejecting for people, but it's, it's, it's the truth. Um, if you want it bad enough, but, you know, I, I think one of the things that we do, and, I, and I'm probably as a dad uh, guilty of it because I'm a dad. Uh, as much as a hockey guy, I'm, I am a dad. And you want your, of course, you want your kids to succeed. You got to put them in the right spot like you do. It's, it's not a pride thing. I don't know if you want an easier road, but you do have to find out, like, do you really want this? Like, yeah, that's what I was going to say, is you have to remember why you play the game. You're not playing it to be, like, yes, we all play to be in the NHL. We all want to play in the NHL. We all want to play in the OHL or college. But why do you actually play the game? And if you understand why you play the game, it's probably because you love hockey. And if you, if you, if you don't get discouraged because you weren't first round, second round, third, whatever. You, you play because you love the game. And if you play with the passion and you do the things that you're supposed to do to be the best player, it, if, you're, if it's meant to be, it will work out. Or if your desire is higher, you'll figure out a way to, to get there. So that's, that's something I would suggest to everybody is, you know, don't uh, play the game because you love the game because it is, it is freaking awesome. What about the late bloomers? Do you have anything for them? Like, how do you, how do you actually – can you spot a late bloomer yourself? I've spotted some where I'd say this year, like, and that's one thing I get. And that's one, Andy, you're picking it right there. If you look at the teams that are continuously successful in the Ontario league, they are right after their draft. And we do it now as essential in central scouting, right after our draft, right down the top five kids that you thought that were not drafted that we need to keep an eye on for now. We have that 18 year, the, the midget draft, but before it was as a, you know, as a free agent tracker for teams, uh, right down the top five, top 10. And uh, this year, uh, you know, I, I did that right away. And now teams call for that right away. Like who wasn't drafted that I need to keep an eye on next year. Yep. For us over here in Michigan, though, most of those kids will play 16U. Uh, I don't know what they have. I believe you guys just have midget in Ontario. Yep. Correct. Yep. Are you guys adding? I heard you guys might be adding 16U. <laughs> well, I think it's. I I don't know exactly how it works. It's the same age, though. I think. I okay. think. I I don't I actually don't know how it works. I'm not sure. Yeah, but uh, that's. Uh, yeah, they we we track that right away. We we write that like who are the top guys that were uh, there, and then, uh, you know, and then just going to the rink and checking in on it because then you you know you check on your top five list and you're like, hey, holy cow, he grew two feet and added 35 pounds of muscle and he has 65 goals in 32 games. Like he's kind of coming out of nowhere. Um, those late bloomers are always there and teams are always looking for him. Uh, I'm trying, I can't get a guy in Windsor. It's when you, uh, 
you guys had billeted Ryan Moore at the yep. time. Ryan Moore was on the spits, but there was a guy that they got from like the Hamilton Junior Red Wings. Oh, uh, DJ Sento. Thank you. And uh, his draft year, he wasn't very like his draft year. I think he was like five foot five or something, really, like five six, and then he grew yep. a ton and was putting up great numbers in Junior A. And then you know the spits, uh, their scout down there saw him, and but uh, I remember talking to Warren Reichel about it. That was the one kid that they said that if he grew that they would want like that was one you know that was on their top 10 list there yeah. of guys if they grow if they that's what we're going to take a look at because there's a knack for you know he had a knack for doing good things so yeah um but yeah the, the late bloomers will be found as well yeah i have you know i, I love talking about them because it's a, it's a it's such a great story so i have one and uh so last year a friend that i played with up in uh in, with the sudbury wolves his son was uh played for the marley's name ryan thompson so he called me and he says, Andy, I think he's uh, played double. So in one year he went, my, got called up to the, anyway, he went double A, Toronto Marlies, major midget, triple A, played some tier two, like a few games that year. And then he was uh, in the under 18 draft. He was a first round pick to North Bay. And uh, uh, he didn't get drafted yet, or maybe, no, he wasn't drafted yet. No, he was drafted. And, and he, so his dad said, I want to come down and have him spend some time with you and let me know where he's at. So he, came, he walked in about six foot three and great kid. His dad's a beauty too. He stepped on the ice and I said in, in probably five minutes, I went to his dad, to Derek, and I said, oh, he'll, he's playing, 100% he's playing. He was like, really? I said, 100%. And the more I worked with him, the more keen he was. Um, but, the, but the thing was, is just the kid that – you know, a lot of kids were, are just going to say, I didn't get drafted that first year or I didn't get drafted at all, and it's over. Um, and there was, a, there was a perfect example of maybe he was a later bloomer or he just got overlooked, but he's, he's a, and he's not flashy. He's a stay-at-home guy, but he's got what it takes. So, you know, something I encourage people, like, it's not over. Zach and I were just talking about it the other day about guys. Like, they, no one remembers, in the NHL, no one remembers the guy who got drafted first round to the Peterborough Peets. Like once they get to the NHL and they don't even care who got drafted to the NHL because it's a matter of, can you play or not? And sometimes it takes, it, in fact, when you're 16 years old and you're a superstar, it really, there's a lot of work to do. And, and, and I, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll put my money on the kid that has to grind through it and, uh, and fight through it and fight for everything he has. Cause it will get, cause he's not entitled. And by the time he gets there, he's, he's, he's got some substance to him. Right. Absolutely. No. Um, so Kevin, one one more question, and then I'm gonna ask you something. So two more questions. I think you answered it, but I had one question: is if I want to be scouting in the OHL, is OHL Central Scouting, is it possible, and how do I do it? How would you go about it? It's uh, it's just it, for Central Scouting, it's uh, it would be contacting uh, Daryl Woodley, yep. uh, D Woodley at chl.ca, and uh, express your interest, um, and. I know the league keeps resumes on hand at all times. Okay. Um, I think this year, uh, I don't know 100%, but I know a Bantam scout uh, job will be most likely opening. I know they're looking for one. So uh, send your resume to dwoodley at chl.ca. You can find that on the OHL website, on the Ontario Hockey League website uh, there. And then for teams, the same thing, like email teams um, and ask about opportunities. And uh, that, that's how I did it. And that's how uh, these young guys are doing it. You know, if a team doesn't hire you, uh, there are independent scouting services out there and the, the teams and league hires from them as well. I'm just trying to think offhand, the neutral zone and the scout.ca are two big ones that uh, teams use uh, fairly, fairly regularly. 
Redline report as well. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so college versus the OHL. Uh, and it's not which one's better. That's not my question. Um, I got to be honest with you. I've, I've, there was probably a period of time, Miami, you know, you know, I've done the skills for Sarnia and skills for the Spitz, and I've done a lot with the CHL teams. Uh, but there was, there was a period of time where I was saying, you know what, I'm not sure about this league anymore. When I looked over across the river to the NCAA teams, I, I'm like, I think that might be the way to go. Um, and I'm taking that from my experience as uh, when I played in the 80s, uh, from the coaching and the culture and the, um, it was, it was, it was a wild west when I played. Um, like I always said, remember I used to tell the kids on the team, I said, these eyes are, the eyes bro- these eyebrows don't look like this because I pluck them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it's changed. Uh, the quality of people that I've seen, like, uh, you know, I had Kyle Pereira on one time. I've had Brian Proud, and I've just known more and more people, like, in depth. And the quality of the organization, Webby was on last week, Mike Weber. And um, i got to say, like, honestly – and I'm not just saying this because you're here. It's an OHL thing. Um, I'm really a 50-50 on, like, I have a son. So when I think about it, it's like, you can't, you can't go wrong with college, of course. Uh, that's a good thing if you get it. But the OHL is actually becoming very impressive uh, with the quality of people they have. Um, intelligent. Homework is done. And I'm thoroughly impressed. Uh, what can you say about the OHL and that decision? I think you're spot on with the people that they brought in. Uh, it started back when, uh, you know, it started when I started the league with Rob Kinamura. Mm-hmm. Um, Central scouting, uh, from what I understand, was almost dead at that time. They were going to almost possibly disband it kind of thing and just let the teams do their thing. And Rob Kinamura came in and revitalized it and uh, put merit back into it and accountability, et cetera, et cetera, into it. Um, Rob took his uh, job extremely seriously and it's paid off with his amateur job with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then Daryl Woodley came in, another Barry Colt guy. I, it was just a random thing, but Daryl Woodley came in and he, he, and he just kept it, he solidified it even more. And uh, with guys like David Branch and Ted Baker and Joe Birch uh, and Kyle Pereira, they are just, they're generally, uh, it's the same thing with you, Andy, and myself. Uh, they want you to be a great human being if you're a good, if you're a great hockey player, that's a bonus. And that's really uh, what I feel the Ontario Hockey League is, has pushed here um, over the, the past uh, 15, 20 years that I've been doing this. So um, that's the simple answer there. It's just yeah. the well, I, 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 in charge and, and, and great people are coming back to work with our teams. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like I, the, 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 I'm talking to a lot. Like, you know, I've always talked to guys, but I've been talking to people at a different level. Um, people call me about players all the time, but the questions that are being asked, the, uh, the programs that they're setting up now, I'm actually sitting here going, okay, so like every, every person that I've talked to from the OHL so far, I've sat there and I, at the end of it, just like this, I said, okay, you know, I, if my son went here, I, I feel totally good about it because they're in good hands. So that was, and that's, that's a credit to you too. You did a great job explaining the scouting system, the OHL. I think you've represented the, the Ontario Hockey League really well today, um, which, which goes a long way, I hope. Uh, but it was great, Kevin, so far. And I'm going to ask you one more thing. No, I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to uh, suggest something. It's not a suggestion either. I don't know the word. Um, is, is there anything else that you would like to say? Uh, so I know for a fact right now there's uh, players watching. There's uh, parents watching and there's some coaches. 
Is there anything that you would like to, to leave uh, the webinar with for anybody? Absolutely. The first thing is the book I was trying to recommend is called The Hard Hat by John Gordon. Ooh, uh, uh, it's a great book. Uh, if you have a chat, it's a quick read too. Anyone can read it. Andy, I can get it for you. Book on tape for you. Um, <laughs> uh, if I have this, uh, the one thing I want to leave you off with is um, drafted or not, continue. Just follow your dreams. You know what? Uh, you play hockey because you love it. It's a special, special, special community. Uh, as we've seen over the course of uh, all through everything that's going on, the hockey community is extremely. You have your family, your blood family, and then you have your hockey family. And uh, I'm telling you right now, they're both closely uh, intertwined and uh, drafted, not drafted. Um, follow your dreams. And if you work hard, good things do come to good people. I agree. And that's, that's, the, that's it, eh, bud? That's all I have to say there, <laughs> Coach. Thank you for having me on. It was an honor to be able to chat with you over uh, – over the computer here and uh, hopefully soon all your players best of luck this year and uh, through your seasons continue to train hard parents uh, the the advice for you support your children um, just support them there and and they they know they know like I can only like my mom and dad I don't know how I don't know how you do it nowadays how, how expensive hockey is my mom and dad wouldn't be able to do it uh, how expensive it is and trust me it doesn't go unnoticed both uh, scouting and the coaching staffs that you have, they know that moms and dads and grandma and grandpas and everything, aunts and uncles put a ton into it. Just support your children. Be positive for them, even though it might be a bad day. And uh, coaches, um, don't be afraid to let your kids make mistakes. Uh, the days of, uh, even Andy will tell you, I, I have a booming voice. And I used to scream a lot. That is the, the, the game has adapted and changed, and I, and I had to adapt and change as well. Um, but again, uh, thank you for having me, Andy. Uh, if anyone has any questions, uh, Andy has my contact information. I'd be more than happy to, uh, uh, you guys can email me uh, those kind of questions. Uh, and you can get it from Andy. And uh, again, best of luck, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy. And uh, thanks, Puckface and Andy, uh, for having me on. Okay, Kevin. Uh, totally appreciate you coming on. You did a fantastic job. And uh, if, if one of my Puckface members sees you at the rink, is it okay to say hi and introduce oh, absolutely. himself? Absolutely. Absolutely. If my daughter's there, take her away and go buy her uh, non-sugar candy. <laughs> Kevin, thank you, bud. Thank I'll, you, I'll... Andy. Thank you, everyone. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. Awesome, bud. Thank you.